0: So thank you for reminding these several events coming close together. And uh, I do believe that when certain things get aligned in such a way, it's a sign that somewhere the inner and the outer life are getting aligned. Uh, At least we hope so and that is the whole effort and idea of Shraubhinda's Yoga. So um, the divine life which we have been taking this series and today is a summary session. But more than summary, I I wish to just give a kind of a brief uh, overview in my own way. So the life divine is a temple that is being built on earth. Rather, earth is a special formation and meant for a special purpose. There is life all over this universe and beyond the universe, material universe. There is something special happening upon earth, that's what Sri Aurobindo reveals to us. And that special thing which is happening is that a temple is being built and a temple dedicated for the manifestation of the divine life. Its foundations have been laid as early as the Vedic age or I would say even before that because the rishis of the Vedas spoke of the forefathers. How did they lay the foundation? As they say that whenever in India we do this Bhumi Poojan and we put some foundation stone, we do a mantra chanting. So there were two powerful mantras that went into the laying down of the foundations of the divine life. And these mantras, the beauty of these mantras is they had to be set together. If you say one without the other, then you miss the power of the mantra. There are certain mantras which go beautifully together, like, Tam tattomasi. If you say only Asmi" I am Brahman, and don't say tatthomasi in the sense that, you too are Brahman, then there is a problem. <laughs> so the mantras that went into the foundation of this divine life, which Aurobindo reminds us in, in the life divine itself, the first is, The one without a second. So there is just one reality, one reality, call it by whatever name and it's all over. It stands to logic, common sense, appeals to reason, whichever way we want to put it, because there has to be one source of creation and that source have to be everywhere and in everything. It cannot be, I mean, logically it's not sustainable, that there will be two. The moment you say there will be two sources, then there has to be multiple sources. <laughs> so there is one without a second, ekam evadityam. But this mantra has to be understood along with the other mantra, sarva brahman, which is a logical derivation, we may say, of this first truth. But it requires a much more bold affirmation. Sarva vidam brahman, all this that is, is the brahman. So this is a very powerful statement, one of the most powerful, that not only Brahman is the source, the divine, let's use the term which appeals to our heart also, that uh, there is this divine presence in everything, the origin, the source. But all this that is there, visible, tangible, touchable, tasteable, sensible and all that is not sensible, not cognizant by these senses, all that the mind cannot reach, this world and many other worlds, all this also are Brahman. Now this uh, is a great teaching and obviously subject to all kinds of confusion. So this journey from there is one reality without a second which is the first truth we must find to the recovery of this second great truth that all this is the Brahman in the right way is itself a long journey. And then there is a third step of the journey which uh, the life divine reveals to us. This is the foundation that has gone in the Vedas and the Upanishads. This foundation has been strengthened by many a rishis, seers, saints, mystics all over the world, sages and guarded, Because when foundations are being built, it has also to be guarded. So, otherwise there will be intrusions of all kind of uh, people claiming the land. That's why in India, I don't know about other places, it's not enough to buy the land. Now things are better. You better build a wall, make sure that there are some people who are there. Otherwise, uh, you have bought the land, everything is in your name, but the man on the spot occupies it. I think this is a problem that everybody faces everywhere in the world. It's called in the, there is a saying, whoever occupies this is my land, finished. Nothing else applies. So this is a dangerous situation. So it has been guarded, this great truth, when it is nascent, like a child in the womb, it needs to be protected. So it, is, it, was, it has been guarded by many uh, hero warriors. So when we talk about saints, 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 we become too saintly and goody-goody people. But there is also the need of the hero warriors and the mother speaks, Sri speaks about the Brahma Tej and the Shatra Tej together are needed for the divine life. At one place he puts it this way that it's true that man is a camel man in the beginning. Camel man is somebody who has to bear the burden. Camel, you know, poor fellow, he goes thirsty, he has been equipped like this. And he carries and when they show it desert, the camel is going. There is very nice music they show. I don't know where the music comes from. <laughs> because. <laughs> but nevertheless, they show it very nicely, the camel going. So camel man, when man is like a camel, he has to just bear the burden of this world. But Sri reminds us that this is only a transitional stage of man. This is not the beginning or the end. And to build a philosophy of life based on this, That poor man, poor fellow, he is uh, bearing the burden of the camel. No, he becomes ready through that camel man stage into a lion man. He must at some point throw off this weight when he has done his practice in endurance and he must become the lion man, the warrior soul. And there is a great significance in this yoga of the warrior soul. And it's only when one has passed through this stage of the lion man The warrior soul, that one is ready for becoming the child soul who is full of wonder and delight. Then it applies that uh, who is God, is an eternal child playing in the eternal garden. But this middle stage through which we see humanity passing through, it is still to emerge from it and we will be ill-advised to ignore it because this foundation is a very strong foundation, but there are ways and means as the building is constructed, one has to build a scaffolding around it so that this can develop in a safe way. Such scaffoldings have been built from time to time because this project of the divine life, which means to discover the divine and express him in, in life, has been taken up by various mystics from time to time, even there have been efforts to form the spiritualized society. shobindra speaks of the Sikh as the last effort to form a spiritualized society. So there have been efforts, which have been, as long as they were guarded, they were safe. So how they used to guard? They used to guard it by creating special places upon earth. So these special places were meant to nourish and nurture this deep beautiful impulse in man that despite all the appearances still continues to seek the divine life. It does not give give up because appearances are just the contrary and we'll come to that in a moment. So these were the places which were known as ashramas. Ashramas were not places of uh, nice retreat. We'll go for a retreat in ashram. People would uh, write to Sri now I am 60 and I have, you know, my wife and children are settled. I don't know which age children were settled at 60, I don't know. But anyway, settled and I want to come to the ashram. And Sri would say, it's the time to apply for the graveyard rather than an ashram. So he had a sense of humor. Uh, somebody would write to the mother, that mother, um, I have done all these things in life. Now I want to lead a Retired, peaceful life, because this is the idea. When you come to ashram, you you live in peace. So, so the mother said, "Tell him if he comes here, whatever little peace he's having." <laughs> so peace, yes. What we call as peace is a dead man's peace. Our idea, the bourgeois ideal of sitting comfortably in a chair reading one newspaper after another while somebody in the kitchen is cooking and providing. And that's how we want a utopia to be built. Our idea of utopia is also that. That, you know, we will go to a beach, seashore, nice house where everything is provided. This is how we conceive because that's our littleness, that we want that kind of thing. But God puts us to labor. So she said, she used to say, that okay, if he's looking for a peaceful retired life, he should go to place X. I'm not going to speak about what place X is people can find, where he can sit and meditate nicely and quietly. But if he wants to labor, shram comes from that word. Shripanta says I have to use this word for want of better term. Shram, labor. That's how even in ancient India, ashrams meant this shram, labor, but labor of a different kind. As I think yesterday I was sharing this, that Arjav, the British, uh, who came here and he started writing beautiful poetry, British mathematician. And when uh, he was asked by uh, someone, What are you doing here? Uh, he said, You won't understand what we are doing here. Still try to explain. Maybe you are doing some strange project. You are making uh, beyond Chandrayaan and Mangalyaan some Suryaan. So he said, Yes, exactly. We are making a Suryayan. Oh, really? So, so how are you making it? He said, "We are trying to conquer our ego." So that man looked askance and looked here. Okay, I understand. One more great mathematician lost to the mainstream <laughs> of collective human effort. So there is this two levels of effort which is going on in human life. Uh, deep within us, this divine life whose foundations have been laid and its script is there in the cave of man's heart. And that's why, because this script is there in man's heart, we dare the impossible, we refuse to die, we rise from the pyre and we wake up from the grave and we continue to do what. The practical wisdom, if at all it's called, but that's called wisdom of the world, says it is impossible. Because to this, deep within our heart, there is nothing impossible. What the divine has sanctioned is something which is meant to be. So this is how this little being, no bigger than the thumb of man, Shabindu has spoken of it so much as the psychic being, Angustha Matra Purusha, various ways it has been described this refuses to give up and therefore it comes through the cycle of it has thrown itself into the cycles of rebirth it has accepted death as the price to be paid for the immortal life it knows that it, it's not a one lifetime project It must pass through the jaws of death and every time it emerges, it's victorious. Even in normal life, we know that. Every time a difficulty or a challenge comes, when we enter into that zone, turbulent zone, it's like this the end of things. And when we come out, we are stronger and wiser. This was the lesson that life teaches us. Because this is an urge, as Sri says in the very first chapter of the life divine, that nothing can destroy. It's an immortal urge in us. It keeps us ever restless and it is this which is also the source of peace. It's so wonderful that this is given to man and if when people ask often, where is the life divine? Show me, show me. You can see it. Where? You can see it in every heart that is refusing to give up. It is refusing to concede. To the darkness all around it continues to hope and aspire and faith and will to be this is where the divine life is being formed when mother was asked that mother tell us uh, how how will this uh, divine life be formed and given to man mother says don't you know it haven't you read what shuramita has written in the secret of the vedas that's how she says Now disciples are wondering where is it, because when we read, we are all busy with the mantras and the rishi who gave it and their technical meaning. And then she says, hasn't he said that in the secret of the Vedas that it's to be formed by tapas? It's very interesting. She uses the word tapas. With tapas we hear tapasya. With tapasya we understand a set of clothes, some color, maybe white or orange or blue or green, I don't know, some color clothes we have to wear, tapasya. (laughs) We have to go on one meal a day, we have to outwardly leave things and then it is tapasya. It has nothing to do with tapasya because how much ever we may leave the world outwardly, inwardly it continues because there is a 24-7 channel going on. You know, when we enter the ashram, we are told, switch off the mobile… one does it one should do it because it shouldn't disturb others but there is a mobile (laughs) you can't switch it off (laughs) it's continuing to scan all the whatsapp messages that you saw now is the time when you are sitting alone to meditate that these messages will come back there is another mobile which is (laughs) switched off or at least put in airplane mode I love this word I love it better than the silent mode airplane mode means now the mind has to fly So no more distractions of the (laughs) lower nature. Personally, I frankly, because one day I heard this little thing, a person was arguing at the gate, but I put it on airplane mode. No, 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 you have to switch it off. And I got a great insight. I said, oh, (laughs) So airplane mode, when the mind rises through an ascension, through sacrifice, this what Sri says, that this ascent to the divine life is the work of works the sole acceptable sacrifice? And it is this for which we are made. And if not this, if we don't engage in this, then we are nothing better than a worm which has somehow formed in a little bit of speck of mud and water amidst the appalling immensities of the universe. So, depending on which way we look at it, man occupies a special place because he is the nisus, the center point of a great transition. Or he is insignificant, probably irrelevant, because he has chosen not to engage with that tapas. So, what really is this tapas? Shivendra used this word. And he says tapasya is the energy of concentrated energy of spiritual endeavor. And the mother uses this word. It's there in the synthesis also. Two things which are necessary for the divine life faith and will. So what does it mean? Do I have to will? I must have divine life. It means the will should be such that hundred thousand obstacles and seeming impossibilities don't dim it. That should be the will. As she says, if you fall a thousand times, you should be willing to rise thousand and one times. Because such is the will, it refuses to give up, it is constantly pressing. And pressing, yes, it will happen. In the beginning, that's how we grow strong when we face challenges. There is no life actually without challenges. They will come. They are part of the play. So when we ask, for instance, people associate Krishna with, you know, playing the flute and all the gopis going there, gopi and gop and they are having a nice dance by the side of Yamuna with the little moon shining over full moon. It's such an idyllic thing, no? Everybody loves that part of Krishna. There are temples dedicated to that Krishna. But if you dance too much and listen to the call of the flute, he may well say, okay, I pick you up. Many are called. Few <laughs> <You> are chosen. <laughs> so called is all everybody goes. But chosen? Chosen is Arjun. What does he do to Arjun? He says, come with me. The story doesn't end with the flute playing and all those dancing. And... Arjun says, take me wherever I am ready to go through the leading. And he takes him right in the middle of a tremendous battle. What does Arjun choose? He has two sides to choose. Pandavas, his brothers, which normally is the logical choice, and Kauravas, his cousins, but... He has an idealism in his high mind that, no, no. Even if Pandavas are my brothers, doesn't matter. I must choose by my ideal. My ideal says that, well, they are your cousins, you must give everything to them. And therefore, I must choose the side of the Korvas. What would one choose? Arjun is smart. He says, I don't care about sides krishna i want to be with you what a smart child you know there is a very interesting story incidentally in in mahabharata very little known and the story is about uh, i think it is iravan or anyway, names so he is going for the battle he is a very very tremendous powerful warrior he needs just two arrows to finish the whole army so when he hears he is arjuna's uh, Grandchild or son so he is going and uh, Sri Krishna knows this is a dangerous fellow so he asks him where are you going he says I am going for the war which side are you going to fight he said obviously the weaker side it's a very very interesting story the strong side doesn't need me I will side whichever is the weaker side. Oh, so which side do you think is the weaker? He says, I think, in the balance of things, my assessment is Karva's are the weaker side. So, his criteria see the different criteria. Arjun's criteria one is my relatives, Raj, but an idealism. This fellow is also moved by a strange idealism. He is a woke. So he must, (laughs) he must feed on conflict and he must be on that side which is the weaker side. Doesn't matter whether you are right or wrong, that's not his criteria. But what should be our criteria? Not that I am going to fight, God be by my side. Rather, God, wherever you are, take me onto your side, which is what makes the world of difference. One relation with the divine is, I do my life, you be with me. Other is, which way you want to take me, take me along with you. And that's what is the difference between Arjun and the rest. So this is, how, this is the, the kind of faith, tapasya of faith. What is that tapasya of faith? Which refuses to bow down before appearances. Because if we look at appearances of life, then we will wonder where is the divine life being formed. There are people who immediately get uh, distraught and they start becoming very pessimistic, cynic. This a disease called cynicism, now it's rare because, but at one point post second world war, this disease had gripped humanity. Cynicism, postmodernism. anyways, let me not get into all those things. But cynicism, pessimism, which mother says it's a tale of the devil Why do we get pessimistic? Because we see the appearances and we don't see the divine life. So where is hope? Hope is when we go within and contact the divine presence within us. Then we are full of hope, the sign. Now how does it happen? That is where tapasya, will and faith are required. A faith which regardless of whatever may happen, it knows something within us sees and knows that ultimately the divine will will be fulfilled and I must be full of faith. Faith in whom? Faith in the divine. Faith in the ultimate triumph of truth. Triumph of truth is not about my understanding of truth. This is how we understand. But truth which is working out against all the various forces of falsehood which are covering this outer building, which is crumbling down, that's what we see and we get disheartened. It's, it applies to individual life, it applies to collective life. The collective will of a um, group life is very easily, even in collective life I have seen people become very, uh, I mean, everywhere, oh now, for example, I am giving an example which I have heard, I was hesitating to mention, not, not about space but uh, now the mother is not there so, somebody asked me also this question. Where is Sri Aurobindo now in the subtle physical? Mother has spoken about all this, you know, because little red person. I said, yeah, but he is nearer. Because the person asked the question that how do I go to subtle physical to contact Sri window?" I said, he is nearer. <laughs> he is nearer. Nearer than our breath, he is right there in the immortal stuff of our being. Okay, this is very difficult to go inside. There are, the mother's photographs, lose yourself in them. They are wonderful words that they have left for us. They have not gone anywhere, where will they go? Mother says, I have never abandoned the earth. This is a divine project which has been going on since ages when... I think it was uh, Shanti Doshi or no, Nagin Doshi, Shanti Doshi's son, who asked Shurabindo that um, even he asked, like, Mother was there for um, six years, uh, eight years, when she, Ramakrishna was also on earth. 1886 he left the body, Mother is 1878. So he was a worshipper of the Mother. He should have recognized the Mother. And Shrivinod's reply: Why should he? It would have meant that he would overstep beyond what he has come to do. He came to synthesize all the different uh, religions, but the great synthesis of matter and spirit, which is the biggest gulf, that was missing. Synthesis of all the various approaches to the divine, or or towards secular and religious, and all this, all that was missing. So then the person asked this question, Nagindoshi, that um, basically that you are on earth as an avatar this time. He takes it like that. But what were you on earth earlier? Or something to that effect. And Sri Aurobindo says, what were you on earth earlier? Says, yes, we were on earth earlier as vibhuti. Shirobindo doesn't contradict this part that yes, this time we are as avatars. One of the few places where Shirobindo unwittingly admits, this time we have come as avatars, but what were you doing in previous lives? He says, we were there as vibhutis. Oh, so what were you doing as vibhutis? Carrying on the earth's evolution. Okay, what does it mean? That would mean writing the entire history of mankind. (laughs) This is not a first project, first time project. This is the one project for which earth has been made. And all that has happened in the past is for this great moment which is drawing closer to us, probably it is nearer to us than we even imagine. Because wherever we see a great destruction, that means a new creation is just round the corner. The night is densest before the dawn. That's what we see today. We may get too much engaged with the events of the night, struggling with the darkness, with our own darkness, darkness unto darkness until both darknesses multiply. Or a more sensible thing is, that while the forces of darkness are wrestling it out, impelled by the divine will in strange, mysterious ways, we can continue to light that lamp and increase that lamp of faith and aspiration. Because ultimately it is the journey of human aspiration. That's what divine life is. When we see it starts with the human aspiration and the book itself and ends up with the divine life and before that the Gnostic being, before that there are many steps and stages of the, journey. And the beauty is when we really look through their writings, they've actually done everything. Not only have they written, one could see and it is so evident uh, to give one small little logic uh, or two, two odd things. So, one is that Shubindha had foreseen all the difficulties. One can see that in mother's writings and Shubindha's writings. All of them have been foreseen. Now, knowing who they are, the kind of compassion with which Shubindha and the mother have come, will they leave these difficulties unsolved at a fundamental level? Even a human parent will not do it. He would provide, making sure that those who have to come, They are taken care of. So they have at a fundamental level, solved the problem. When Krishna takes Arjuna to the battlefield, he has won the war. He does not go with uncertainty. He shows that, well, the war is over. Then he takes, when there is a final decision which has been made, then we have to go. That again requires a leap of faith. Because the war is still there. At one level it has been sorted out, done. Done. That's how we see in mother's writings. In 62, particularly, where she says, It is done, it is done, it is done. In 56, of course, she speaks of it. But at another level, it must unfold. So there is a done is about the decision of the Supreme which has manifested. And the entire rest of it is an unfolding. It takes time to unfold, which is understandable because it's something new and. And in that unfolding, we all have a role to play. That's why they withdraw into our hearts. I don't like to say Shobindo withdrew from earth and uh, withdrew there because sometimes people ask, Where have they gone? So I say, Into our hearts. <laughs> Which is there. Actually, all of us do it, incidentally, it's not just uh, Mother and Shobindo. They become permanent part of the earth nature. And this hint Shobindo gives in essays on the Gita. That they. The avatar then takes his seat in the heart of man where where he is anyway seated as the imminent divine but now he takes this stamp, this form, this name through which he begins to tweak us and change us from within. It is so interesting when we go through this journey that how really the mother and Sri help us, guide us through the journey, through the most unexpected things. How they build divine life from transient mortal things. It's so wonderful. So we are all on a wonderful journey while on one side and we see that when did they come? They came when on one side mankind had was advancing uh, breaking great technological barriers. Last century was really breakthrough atoms and the space age. Both ages began and along with it conquest of outer space, conquest of outer things, so much so that today we have now replicas of intelligence, which is artificial intelligence. But this century, therefore, as Sri points out in The Life Divine, what is the crisis we are really facing? He said hundred years back, more than hundred, it is an evolutionary crisis. Meaning thereby, while the outer life of man, the technology, all this is advanced so much. But his inner life is still a like a pygmy. We are still to catch up with the Vedic rishis who had arrived at what profound truths. We are still to catch up with them. And it is this inner life which has to be nourished. And that's why we see the watershed moment in 1960 and then subsequently in more uh, recent years, that man's eyes are turning within. And therefore a new age of mankind has begun the subjective age of mankind. And many signs and markers, it's a very detailed subject and we have talked about it sometime. And that is why man's spiritual hunger has increased. And that is why cults and sects are proliferating. And that is why religions are going dry. People are leaving traditional, conventional religions which have trapped human soul within frameworks or beliefs. For a long time that was necessary, but now man wants to be free even from these frameworks. These were frameworks. Necessary at some point of time, if you do this, this will happen, if you do that, that will happen. Every Saturday if you please this God uh, with a diya, then Shani, Shani Devta will be happy with you. And now, Shani Devta is super active huh? because he is the god of justice. So, all the past is being dug out. And in every religion, if you sit like this, if you choose these five times to pray to God in a certain posture, he will be super happy. Now, all this is breaking down. People are leaving these. And it's a natural process, it's an automatic process which is going to increase. And maybe by thirty, nineteen, I mean 20, 21, 30… Uh, Twenty-one, twenty-eight. It's mark a big change in the shift. Um, Twenty-twenty-eight. Our entire way of uh, because it's this seed within seed of divine life is pressing on every side. It is wanting to burst forth, like Haranikeshu, and you know, out of the pillar uh, nursing, avatar, he burst forth from the pillar. So it is pressing upon man from within, this truth, because the supermind is as much inside. And because it is pressing upon man, there is so much chaos that we see today. Because none of these standard formats are applying. Our ideas of society, our ideas of school. See, people often say, parents have this constant grouse. Bachche baat nahi sunte. our children don't listen to us. They are still very decent. After some time they are going to say, you are not worthy of being listened to. (laughs) Because this is how it is pressing from inside. Intuitively, we are becoming aware of a truth greater than all these frames in which it was encapsulated. So we see this looks like a chaos to our surface vision. But this chaos is like the beginnings of the lotus which are blooming on the way to Auroville. They greet us uh, on the way and it's so beautiful uh, sign and symbol that uh, when we enter Auroville, we are greeted by these lotus blooms and when we leave Auroville also, we have to say bye-bye to them and they are so beautifully reminding us that look, if out of mud all our earth starts from mud and climbs to the sky, and love that was once an animal wants, then a sweet madness in the heart, then an ardent comradeship in the mind, then it becomes a lonely soul seeks for the alone. And when we do that, then is our being rescued from separateness. When all is clashed and all is known as God, So this is the whole project. I just want to read a couple of passages. In Isha Upanishad, Sri says that there is a foundation of divine life. That's where we find, several places Sri says, speaks about it. And at one place he says, the rule of the divine life, this what is being done. Here, ashram, everywhere, this what ultimately. The rule of the divine life. Of course we may add divine life in a divine body, that's the next extension. But first, at least let us reach this divine life. What is the rule of the divine life? Enjoyment of the universe and all it contains is the object of world existence. What a different than what we have heard. <laughs> but renunciation of all in desire is the condition of the free enjoyment of all. This is the rule of divine life. And where he is saying it from? Isha sarvam yet kincha jagatyam jagat. Tena tyak tena bhunjita. How do we practice it? The renunciation demanded is not a moral constraint of self-denial, nor a physical rejection, neither of them. Uh, if you read only this much, you may think, uh, I have to be without constraint, but hold on. But an entire liberation of the spirit from any craving after the forms of things. How beautifully and specifically. The soul of craving that craves and to the form of things, not the essence. Essence of love has to be kept. But this clinging to form, desire, attachment, lust, they have to go. The terms of this liberation are freedom from egoism and consequently freedom from personal desire. All that we are asked on the gates of the life divine before it is being given to us is this. Are you carrying your card on which automatically is it punched? Freedom from ego. Meaning thereby when they ask our identity and we say I am doctor so and so who is you know, worked so many years and or if I say I have been in the ashram for 50 years and or if we say I have been an Auroville resident, I thought I am going to get a free pass. None of this. When we are asked, who are you? And we answer, this is the Sphinx who ask this question, always. All questions thou mayest answer, but one day her question shall await thee, that reply for they who cannot die. She slays them and their mangled bodies lie upon the highways of eternity. Therefore, if thou wouldst live, answer first this one thing. Who art thou in this dungeon laboring? Who are you? Mother's child. And it's, it's not something like a mind, oh, okay, okay, this will be nice. <laughs> Mother's child is never frightened. One of the attributes of uh, the realizer of Brahman is Nirvayo. He is afraid of nothing, there is no fear because he knows. Can we ever be afraid, even as a practice, if we practice, mother is walking with us, fear will vanish because she is there, as a truth of a being. So this is the term, only thing we will be asked is this, practically, this renunciation implies, practically, that one should not regard anything in the universe as a necessary object of possession, This house is mine, this wife is mine, this husband is mine, this child is mine, this chair is mine, inanimate object, this position is mine. If we regard it, then we are not into divine life. Nor as possessed by another, oh why is he possessing, not me? Well you see god has done such injustice you don't know he has given you freedom and <laughs> the other person whatever you possess you are possessed by that this is the basic common sense <laughs> whatever you are attached to that attaches you so so beautifully says neither to regard anything as a necessary object of possession nor as possessed by another and not by oneself nor as an object of greed in the heart or the senses. Often we have spoken of this story that a man went to a place and they saw one person, he was very depressed and crying. I hope there is nobody by the name of Usha in this. (laughs) Usha, Usha, oh my Usha. (laughs) And he says... Why are you sad? He said, I, he wanted to marry Usha, doctor said, but he couldn't marry. He said, yes, it happens. Sad story, it happens in teenage that you want to marry Usha and you don't marry Usha. Then he sees the other person is also crying, Usha, Usha. He said, what happened to Usha? He's looking a little older. He said, no, this man married Usha, <laughs> and therefore he's unhappy. <laughs> so, <laughs> he said, yes, in middle age you realize... <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> your dream girl or dream boy uh, you are crying the third fellow is also crying Usha Usha he What what is this got to do how many people have gone mad he said, no 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 he has actually nothing to do with Usha why is he crying he is seeing these two fellows crying so he thinks Usha is extremely desirable greed in the mind and the senses <laughs> he wants to join their bandwagon of suffering <laughs> so, so, this is what is greed in the mind and the senses. And see how the game of falsehood goes. Now it's different, but at some point of time, children were made to believe. We were told actually, in Hindi, there is a phrase, Padoge likhoge to banoge nawab, or uh, Dusra Patani me bhul gaya. But it, if you read and study, you will become a Nawab. Thank God now Nawab nobody wants to become. <laughs> and if you play and jump around, then you will spoil yourself. Mother, change the rules. In ashram there is so much, Khelo, kuda, this is how it is. And as to that, you know, if you don't study, it was said then you will chilo ghas. You will... Reap the grass. But just imagine, sometimes you wonder how fortunate are people who are doing this grass work in Auroville. What a fortune? So you see, that age, there was a time when this false illusion was created. Very strong. People almost rated people like this. When people used to tell earlier, now of course, there is a deeper sense of caste system and it has gone and something new. But that apart, oh, in India there was Jati he said, "Are, this is still okay. It was at least based on some truth. What is worse is this uh, that there is um, uh, based on your color of the skin, based on your purse weight, based on your bank account. You are differentiating humanity. That is far worse. If at all, if you have to differentiate, base it on some inner merit. That still makes sense. So this, all this, we have to practice. This is the practice." People often ask, what kind of meditation? So this is what has to be done, rule of divine life. This attitude is founded on the perception of unity. Unity will come on this means, why? Because something doesn't belong to me and yet it belongs somewhere to someone for the moment. Today it is with X, tomorrow it will go away. Someone else will occupy that, Somebody else will take it. That's how it is. So, because it belongs to the divine... This attitude is founded on the perception of unity. Today he is given to us, tomorrow he will take it from us. If it is not there and if I need it, it will come to us. That's how the person with divine life lives. For it has already been said that all souls are one possessing self with a capital S, the Lord. And although the Lord inhabits each object as if separately, yet all objects exist in that self and not outside it. Therefore, by transcending ego and realizing the one self, we possess the whole universe in the one cosmic consciousness and do not need to possess physically. Having by oneness with the Lord the possibility of an infinite free delight in all things, we do not need to desire. What lovely freedom. This is what we are taught actually by practice. Like what is the idea of prosperity in the ashram? This is the idea. that Look here, I mean, what you need will be given by the mother. This can be practiced in any outer life also. I mean, people who draw a pay packet, they can live with this idea that I am getting what the mother wants me to give and I have to use it the way the divine would want me to. Not to use it, oh I have so much money, now I will build this, I will take this, I will buy this object of my desire then it's a different life altogether and then someone asked shrivindo that you know all this is fine what you are saying but sir look at the appearances i hope you are aware there is so much pain suffering evil so in answer shrivindo says to answer you in a detailed way i have to write a long chapter of the life divine which is where he has given the long answer but here he gives the shorter answer. This world has a double aspect. It seems to be based on a material inconscience and an ignorant mind and life, full of that inconscience. Error and sorrow, death and suffering are the necessary consequence. This is this outer aspect which we spoke about, where it's all a battle, clash of forces, wrestle. And if you identify with that, this world appears full of error, sorrow, suffering, etc. But, we can add, thank God, (laughs) but, (laughs) there is evidently too a partially successful endeavour and an imperfect growth towards light, knowledge, truth, good, happiness, harmony, beauty. Every martyr who gave his life standing by this great truth and the formula that no, the divine dwells in all beings. You know that story of that great uh, Sikh saint who sacrificed life. I can't imagine seeing your two children being, you know, uh, buried alive by that uh, great king, Mughal king. He's seeing that. He's being tortured, put to flames. Another saint who is being beheaded by Aurangzeb. And they say, No. The divine is there and he is not a a monopoly of any single religion. And look at that courage, the heroic way. It may look like failed. Did it fail? No. It sprang in many hearts. Did Christ fail? No. Christ universalized himself in many hearts who chose to bleed but refused to give up the great ideal for which he stood. The ideal of freedom and unity and compassion for mankind. So this is how the story goes that there have been partial attempts which seem unsuccessful but yet they pave the way. At least a partial flowering of these things even for a short while the meaning of this world must evidently lie in this opposition between the surface, outer life and the inner. It must be an evolution which is leading or struggling towards higher things against a first darker appearance, higher things out of a first darker appearance. All life is a witness to this and that's how life uh, evolves through this struggle and the challenge. Whatever guidance there is must be given under these conditions of opposition and this struggle and must be leading toward that higher state of things. This is the faith we have to keep. There is, due to world conditions, that's what is there in the life divine, in details. They have come up as a part of the play and whatever it is. And then it they have to be they have to struggle. This is how it is described in the Veda. The eighth sun, S U N, which has entered into this earth, Martand. He has been cast by Aditi and he emerges struggling and battling against the sun which is hidden in earth, which struggles and battles and eventually emerges. So there is bound to be the outer doesn't give way readily. So it assumes this aspect. It is leading the individual certainly and the world presumably toward the higher state but through the double terms of knowledge and ignorance, light and darkness, death and life, pain and pleasure, happiness and suffering, none of the terms can be excluded until the higher status is reached and established. It is not and cannot be ordinarily a guidance which at once rejects the darker terms or still less a guidance which brings us solely and always nothing but happiness, success and good fortune. It's not that the divine wants to give us pain, he never. But this is the condition of the world and we see that several times in several uh, letters of the mother where she says you have to bear, there is a very beautiful line, bear at last thou shalt find thy road to bliss. So initially it has to be a struggle through this double terms of pain and pleasure, joy and sorrow. Mother once says that divine life has the power of transformation but world has to be ready because if it imposes itself the world will go to blazes. It's almost like saying that you have nuclear power why don't you get rid of mosquitoes? It's exactly that. (laughs) We need something much lesser because world is not ready. Yes, maybe when all of us become immune and radiation proof (laughs) we become uh, ionized beings (laughs) etc etc imagination has no limits then probably you know nothing will happen but this is how it is today the divine power is it is omnipotent but it is also omniscience it knows that if it uh, forcibly because we are also attached to the darkness mother says that when someone asks why don't you uh, just smash this fellow, asura falsehood, out of existence. Because he told mother, I am surrendering to you, but I am going to create a lot of chaos before that. Mother smiled. Why don't you just smash it out? He said, the world will collapse. Why? Because that fellow is flowing in everybody's veins. At the first drop of a hat, we indulge in falsehood of various kinds. And therefore she says, I have to slowly extract out. This is the hard labor that Mother and Sri are doing. But we have to allow that labor. We have to allow that. This is the process. When a patient goes to a doctor, he cannot say, Mujay, give me a tablet, one tablet and I'll be all right. And that tablet should be sweet and its color should be yellowish red because it's a sacred favorite color. (laughs) Doctor will say, please, try your own way. You can't impose all these conditions. He will say it is bitter, can't help it. You have to take twice or thrice a day. Yes, you will get over. I mean, I am not standing for doctors who (laughs) who need to upgrade the software. The true sense of the guidance becomes clearer when we go deep within and see from them, see from there more intimately the play of the forces and receive intimations of the will behind them. The surface mind can get only an imperfect glimpse. When we are in contact with the divine or in contact with an inner knowledge and vision, we begin to see all these circumstances of our life in a new light and can observe how they all tended without our knowing it towards the growth of our being and consciousness, towards the work we had to do, towards some development that had to be made. Not only what seemed good, fortunate or successful, but the struggles, failures, difficulties, upheaval. But with each person the guidance works differently according to his nature's nature, the conditions of his life, his caste of consciousness, his stage of development, his need of further experience. So that's why it cannot be uniform, to, same thing to everybody. You have to learn to accept the conditions of the work. We are not automata. It's not like everybody in the morning will get up and do this meditation. Some may, most will sleep and feel very happy. Ask God, please tick mark. I sat for two hours. Have you tick mark? He will say, I know what you have done, but it's okay. (laughs) Anyways, I have given you a free ticket. We are not automata, but conscious beings and our mentality, our will and its decisions, our attitude to life and demand on it, our motives and movements help to determine our course. How clearly that we have a role to play in this whole process and life cannot be always uh, an easy cakewalk. In fact, if it is too easy, if everything is happening, fortunate, success, then we should pause Lord, have you forgotten me? <laughs> you sure, the mother says that at one place. Those whom the divine calls as his friends, he gives them, he takes them through tough times, difficulties. And mother says, don't think it is a joke, it is very true. And then she says, it's a joke also, Someone, this old saying, that the person remarked, that's why you have so few friends, because it's not, it's not easy. See, his friend Arjun, <laughs> but ask Arjun, he will say, worth it. I who have seen the heart of hungry earth, felt the heart of hungry earth, aspiring beyond heaven to Krishna's feet. For this one moment lived the ages past, the world now throbs fulfilled in my heart. So, this is the journey in which all these are events and circumstances, not the destination. And then he says, when we are in close contact with the divine, okay, before that, just one, then we can stop. All advance by however devious ways, even in spite of what seems a going backwards or going astray. Look how, what an assurance, only the divine can give this assurance gathering whatever experience is necessary for the soul's destiny. All this ultimately, in every individual, the divine is guiding and leading according to their nature. When we are in close contact with the divine, a protection can come, in which helps or directly guides or moves us. It does not throw aside all difficulties. Protection doesn't mean that I'll never have corona. Corona. Anyways, Corona is not so much of a danger. Fear of Corona is a far worse danger. Because even when Corona is gone, fear will continue. And it will wait for the next wave of Corona. So, Corona is not the real danger. Fear is the danger. Because Corona may kill at the most once and then rebirth, nice, doesn't matter. But fear is going to kill us the rest of the life. So, he says that. It does not throw aside all difficulties, sufferings or dangers, this protection of the divine, but it carries us through them and out of them. Except where for a special purpose, there is need of the opposite. We can close with this, uh, I mean, this whole letter, big letter, where he gives finally the assurance that it is going to be, the victory is going to be. But beautiful lines from the mother... Chapter 3, whenever in distress, it's like people have this, they read in traditional uh, Indian this thing, they read Ram, Raksha, Kavach and Hanuman, Chalisa. Our uh, thing (laughs) is the mother, chapter 3. And so clearly, to walk through life, very clear, no shortcuts, no bypass, no spiritual bypass no spiritual shortcuts. So there is, he says, says, to walk through life. Armored against all fear, peril and disaster. They will be there on the side, sometimes confronting us all around. Only two things are needed. Sir, tell us those things. My credit card, okay, I have it. My phone with all the contacts of the big politicians and the uh, police and the lawyers and the priest and the doctors. People think if they have on their phone the doctors, um, the police, doctors are last in the category. Uh, Police, uh, liars, um, (laughs) politicians uh, and the priest and doctors, they are safe. But… We know the story of Haranika Shubh. It doesn't ensure safety. What ensures safety is the great name? Hari, Hari, Hari. That's how Shubhinda says that when hell, winding through hell turns the heavenly path and what helps us? A prayer upon our lips and the great name. Here she says, he says only two things are needed. Two that always go together. The grace of the Divine Mother. That's one. Nothing can happen without that. Whatever may be the appearances. Never to close oneself to the grace by complaining. Why did you do this to me? How will she explain that my child, this is the passage through which I will take you to the light. So, grace of the Divine Mother and on your side, an inner state, it's not something which is to be shown outside, an inner state made up of faith, faith, sincerity and surrender. To walk through life armoured against all fear, peril and disaster. Only two things Sunny did, two that go always together, the grace of the Divine Mother and on your side, an inner state made up of faith, sincerity and surrender. So the Divine Life project has reached this point where it's going to culminate in the crown of the Divine Life But what we need to do, all of us who are engaged in this, is to continue this faith, sincerity of aspiration, not mixing it with other things, faith that doesn't uh, give up whatever be the appearances and above all surrender, surrender, surrender. Thank you.